Welcome to Living Word, where we build strong homes and families that experience every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing message from Pastor Scott Anderson. To learn more about our church, visit livingwordonline.com. Well, hi there. I'm Lick Nache. I'm Lanessa Nache. And we're here to find out, is, is love, love truly blind? blind? And I'm here to say, it is. It 100% is. You can have a great marriage with someone who's a 3 out of 10. Looks don't matter at all. As Genesis would describe, someone weak on the eyes. Okay, hold on. I've, uh, let's cut. Okay, are, are we okay? That seemed extremely pointed. What? No, it's not about us at all. Okay, and we're here to find out, is love really blind? It doesn't matter if they're short, like 5'4". doesn't matter if they play Fortnite at 29 years old. doesn't matter if you told them 35 times that we have dinner with my parents on Friday night and they act like the first time they've ever heard of okay, it. Okay, stop. Cut. Okay, you're, you're definitely talking about me. Okay, it's not about us. It's about the couples. So let's just stick to the script and then we'll get it. F- hey, stop. This is a Okay, so we're back to find out, uh, is love truly blind? So what if he misses the laundry basket with his shirt? Or he forgets to put the toilet? I'm done! I'm out! I'm not doing this! The reality TV show where we find out, is love blind? Hey, I'm Scott, and who am I in the pod with today? Uh, my name is Holly. Nice to meet you, Scott. Hi, Ollie. You know, I've been in the pod uh, kind of looking for love, and I'm, I'm wondering, what are you kind of looking for in a future spouse? Well, you know, I'm going to just cut to the chase because I'm that type of girl. I'm just going um, to get this established right out of just straight up. Um, I'm looking for a man who is passionate about God. I'm looking for a man who... Um, drives the household like not drive like in a car but drives (laughs) like you know wants his family wants his home to be in church and is actively actively seeking how he can serve in church and i'm really looking for somebody who sees marriage as a partnership i'm looking for someone who wants to do life together with their partner what about you you know, kind of the same. I'm, I've been looking for somebody who really loves God, has, is, is always going after a relationship with God. And I want to raise my family in church. My kids to be in church every week. I want my family to serve in God's house. And I'm looking for, I think, a, a wife who, it's not about the out. I'm, I'm looking for a beauty on the inside is what I'm looking for. Okay, wait, well, hold on one second. I got to get... Um, I think this is a good scene for tears. There you go. Okay. I'm just looking for a woman who's so beautiful on the inside. Inside of here, it's just so, I just want to love what's in there. All right. I think that's pretty good. But in reality, I'm just looking for hotness. I'm looking for a babe. Like if she was a car, I'd want her an electric car, like a babe slut. His bubblegum might be like Babelicious. Was it a president would be Abraham Lincoln? I'm looking for hot. You're not recording, are you? So, Scott, um, describe you. Describe yourself. 
Well, I, to be honest, I'm quite modest. Um, I think the biggest problem with me is how extremely handsome I am. And <laughs> I'm about six foot four. I don't know if you saw Thor. I get, everybody thinks I look like Chris Hemsworth quite a bit. I get that all the time. It's actually annoying. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of done with like the ultra tall guys. I'm looking probably more in that, I don't know if there's a perfect height, 5'4", five, 5'4 four, five, four and a quarter. So, Holly, tell me, um, what things do you like to do? What, what are you into? Well, I'm not going to lie. Admittedly, I'm an avid reader, um, so I enjoy time alone and by myself. Um, but I think my passion is outdoors. I really, truly love um, hiking. I love paddle boarding. I love long drives, um, literally just to see the scenery and just decompress as I drive and, and just take it all in. What about you? Uh, yeah, same. I, I, I love to get in a car and drive to no specific destination for a long time. That sounds okay. really one of my favorite things. And to go hiking, oh my gosh, I do that all, like, probably every weekend. I just love to just to go hiking, yes. Okay. See, honestly, I hate hiking. Who in the world hikes? Who gets in a vehicle? which is an invention to make it so I don't have to hike and drive somewhere so I can walk to a destination and walk back. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Who likes to hike? You know, I don't want to move this relationship too fast, and, um, but this is a serious question because I've had relationships fail because I, I, we didn't establish early on. And so I'm, I want to ask you this, and this is very serious to me. Do you... Do you like Taco Bell? Wait, like, yo quiero Taco Bell, Taco Bell? The yo, yes. Um, yeah, no. Taco Bell? Gross. Ew. It's not even food. But I don't have a heart to tell him that. <laughs> so, sure, I can pretend that I like Taco Bell. <laughs> okay, so... You know, for the sake of being completely honest and being an honest person, um, Taco Bell is the worst. Okay, I'm out. Thanks. No, no, no. no it's Hold good. on. No, it's Hold good. on. Hold on. It's the worst breakfast food. Yeah. But you know what? For every other meal of the day, it's awesome. I love you. Will you marry me? Yes. Ha <laughs> <laughs> We're kicking off our series called Love is Blind. If you didn't know that, that's from the TV show Love is Blind. And uh, it, it's, the whole premise is I don't get to see the other person. You date a bunch of people in pods. You fall in love with the inside. Then they propose. They meet each other. Then they go out in the world for about a month together. And, and uh, after a month, they go to the altar. And you see if they I do or if they don't and it's a whole lot of crazy the few episodes that i've watched um and I, I i like to watch like people like this is real see personalities interact watch what makes people fight and argue but the big thing that i get out of this is watching most of the time they use worldly principles and they get worldly results they get horrible results 
But once in a great while, you'll see godly principles shine through what godly love is, and you'll see success happen in that. Because God's word is all about training and teaches us how to have an epic life. And a big part of the word of God is helping us have great relationships, relationships that thrive, relationships that are growing, relationships that are fun, relationships that are enjoyable. That's God's word and God's plan for us. Now, the, the phrase love is blind, it has nothing to do with not seeing the person around the inside. It's, it's, it, it was originated from, you know, when you're dating somebody, you're infatuated, you're so excited, and everybody around you is like, he's trouble, or she's no good, right? And you're like, oh, you just don't know them. You don't know who they are. If you got to know them, you would love them like I love them. He doesn't even have a job. Well, he's going to have a job one day. It's not a big deal, right? Right now, he's just getting things together, right? And, and love is blind to the faults in a sense, right? You find yourself looking only at the good of the person, only the good characteristics. And it is so prevalent, you're so full of passion and love that you end up saying, I do for the rest of my life. And then 5, 10, 15 years go by and marriages that struggle, we shift from looking at the good to looking at the negative. And we focus on the small percentage of things that are wrong with them. And we wonder why I don't feel like I did back when I'm dating. Because a great marriage is blind. Love is blind. And what I want to show you today is that the happiest marriages, the ones, I'm talking about 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and they're happy and they enjoy each other, are not marriages that don't have mistakes. People that make mistakes. They're married, right? They don't have less mistakes. You don't go, well, because this is our, our, our culture in our day. You know, when he makes and when she is better and better, when they're perfect, our marriage will be great. It's not that they make less mistakes. It's that, that they make less about the mistakes people make in the marriage. I'm going to say that again. It's not less mistakes. Less mistakes don't make a great relationship. It's that, that they make less about the mistakes in the marriage. A great marriage. Come on, you give the Lord a hand clap. Give that a great marriage thrives in grace and mercy. But marriages that struggle are prevalent with judgment and wrath. It's the biggest difference that you'll find. When you, you see people married for a long period of time, not less mistakes. Here's the, let me give you a fact. Everyone in this room, all different age groups, all different backgrounds, every one of you are going to make mistakes this week. You'll make mistakes today. Everybody in this room, you're going to make mistakes, right? You're, you're, you're going to be late. Some of you will be late for something, right? Some of you may say something rude. It'll just come out of you, right? There's some of you out there, you, you, you'll be on your phone when somebody's sharing something important to you, right? You, you, you'll make mistakes as, as far as something you're, you maybe nag, you're, you're, right? Something just comes out of you. you you'll miss a turn when you should have went this way or that. There's a million different things that we may do in this week that are mistakes. And so a great relationship isn't mistake free. A great relationship is a relationship that we overlook the mistakes that each other makes. That it is full. Come on somebody, you can do another. Yeah, grace and mercy is what makes a great one. Because if you're looking for somebody perfect, the only perfect person is Jesus. That's the only one. Other than that, everyone is going to make a ton of mistakes. And you watch in relationships that thrive, they don't make mountains out of molehills. They don't sweat the small stuff. The little stuff is not a big deal. 
But relationships that struggle, everything is a big deal. The smallest things become the biggest things. The littlest things, you know, my parents who have been married almost 60 years now are like, when I say happy, they're like two teenagers. It's actually sickening to your stomach to be around. They're always got to touch hands. They're always kissing and holding. You're like, oh my God, get a room. My dad's like, I would, right? And I'm like, stop it. Right? And they just like, you know, we'll go on the fishing trip. And my dad, he's just all, he's like, I just, like, he's crying. I'm like, stop it. He's like, I miss her. I'm like, we've been gone 12 hours, Dad. Knock it off. You're going to be fine. We've got three more days to go. Everything's going to trade. You're going to see her. He's on the phone. He's like, I miss you. No, no, no. I miss you. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. And I'm like, everybody hang up. I'm done. <laughs> right, we're not in junior high here, Dad. Knock it off. But what you find is how slow they are to anger and how they live. A, they, they don't make less mistakes. They just make so much less about the mistakes. It, it, it's so incredible to watch. You know, I grew up with, with these people, obviously, right? I grew up in the home. I remember at eight years old, 10 years old, most of you probably can place yourself as a child in the home with the parents or step-parents who the fights were so loud and over the smallest things, right? The cheese doesn't go here in the refrigerator. You're like, that's what we're going to fight for hours about, right? You missed the turn. You, didn't, you told me six. No, no, I told you 7.30. No, you told me six. And it blows into a big old night of fights. And here you are. You're like, you won't let me fight with my brother over anything, but you guys fight over cheese, like to this extent. And you watch this, but I watched my parents, right, go from little things became big fights to all of a sudden they transitioned to more grace and mercy in their marriage. They went from judgment and wrath, and the more grace and mercy they got, the more they enjoyed each other, the less they fought, right? Come on, somebody. You guys are... No, it's... so me and Holly wrote a book about 10 years ago about how to get in and out of fights in 10 minutes because I watched my mom, right, all the... out of nowhere, her and dad... Something happened, and it was like a four-minute fight. It was, and I'm like, that right there used to be all-night fight. I'm like, it can be done. But what I've seen in the last 10 years, my parents went from minutes, it's like seconds. It is crazy to watch like this magic. I'm out to lunch with them both, right? And, and one of them is sharing, and then the other one interrupts, and then they just stop and go, you interrupted me. And the other one goes, sorry. And then they go back to talking. And it is an, a minute later, they interrupt again, and they go, you interrupted me twice. And they go, sorry. And they go back to talking. And I'm like, how are we not fighting about this, right? Or my mom is sharing something out of her heart, right? She's just, she's in depth and it's really important to her. And all of a sudden we both look over and my dad is checking his stocks on his phone. And my mom goes, I'm sharing something important. What are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm sorry, right? And my mom goes, and she just goes right back in. She wasn't mad. She wasn't upset, right? She just goes, yeah, our father, he's cute, right? That's what she says. When he does a mistake, he wasn't cute 35 years ago, mom, but he's cute today. <laughs> they have an incredible marriage, not because they have no mistakes, not because they don't have faults, but because their marriage is so full of grace and mercy. And today, as I talk about this, I'm not talking about on purposes, right? I'm talking about mistakes. We all make mistakes. There's on purposes, right? Your spouse doesn't call, doesn't text, and doesn't come home till the next day. That's not on purpose. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. That's a whole different conversation, right? I'm talking about all of the little things that everyone in here we do, 
But in relationships, we make mountains out of molehills. We make such a big deal out of things that we don't need to. It's little things. Well, is there, you know, she just nags and nags and nags. That's, right? Is that an on purpose? No, that's, a mis- that's just, and it comes out, right? Because a woman, when you understand, she was designed by God to make men better. It's in her DNA. Now, she may not do it exactly the right way all the time, but she just wants to make you better. And when you have grace and mercy, when she begins to nag, and you just go, eh, that's fine. You know what? Okay, I got, I'll, I'll work on it, right? You see it in that way, which it doesn't make a lot of sense, women, because you have one of the most powerful forces in the universe to get men to do what you want us to do without nagging us. It's not hard, right? My wife, right, maybe years ago, if she would get mad because maybe the trash isn't done, and she's like, I'm sick and tired of the trash. Why can't you do this one thing for me? Take out the trash. I got to do everything around the house. I'm built in such a manner, I just go, I'll never take that trash out. Jesus will have to take it out. I am not going to touch that trash. Just how I'm built. I'm just not built that way. But she, come over to me, right? nestle up a little bit right here, whisper something in my ear that I can't repeat to anybody in this place. And then she goes, sweetie, will you take out the trash for me? Yeah, I'll take it. Where do you want me to take it? I'll drive, I'll drive it to California and put it, in, I'll go to Knott's Berry Farm and ride rides with it all day if that's what you want me to do. Where do you want it? I will take it there now. <coughs> There's a force, right? You, ladies, you are, I can't get my husband to go to church. Yes, you can. You can't nag him into church, I know that, because he'll never go. But you can whisper in his ear on Saturday night what you're going to do to him after church. <laughs> 7 a.m., he's suited up. He's like, all right, guys, church today. This family doesn't miss God's house. Come on, so you have a power, right? But a great marriage and a great relationship, right? A great relationship. It's full of grace and full of mercy. When you do judgment and shame and condemnation, nothing changes. You know, in a marriage, in a relationship, I'm talking father-child, I'm talking brother-sister, I'm talking all relationships. When it is constantly full of judgment and wrath, there's no room to grow. Nobody changes. People change in an atmosphere of grace. That's why you'll see in the New Testament, God goes to grace and mercy. And you see now there's a relationship that thrives. In the Old Testament, right, where there was no grace, nobody changed. Israel, you're like, they keep doing the same mistakes over and over again because in that atmosphere, no one changes. Go with me to Corinthians. If I can have one of my uh, arm and bear, if you can bring me a cough drop when you get a second. Uh, we're going to be in Corinthians 13, uh, 1. And um, this is... Actually, I'm going to start with the first part here. I'm actually going to do uh, verse 1. Because I had so many people last week, I touched on it. Thanks, James. Thank you so much. Uh, I touched on it last week. And um, it was on uh, women going, well, my husband's not a spiritual head. I had three ladies come to me after and go, man, I I want even more information. Thank you for that. And I had like six, seven messages on uh, uh, Facebook about it. Uh, People just want more information. Because one of the big problems in, in the body of Christ is women going, my husband's not a spiritual head. But most of the time, you don't even know what that means. And you won't even, that's a Christianese word. Like, you won't even find Jesus going, hey, husbands, be a spiritual head. You don't find that in the Bible. Jesus is like, love. Like, he's like, hey, just be kind, be love, right? And so what we do is, is we try to, to, to make our husbands be spiritual like a woman. A woman's spirituality is different than a man's spirituality. And so when you try to make a man a woman... He just gets weird because a man wasn't designed to be spiritual in the way that a woman is. My mom, as I said last week, she would pray four hours every morning 
My dad, on the other hand, went to work, so we didn't live on the street. That's different. But my dad made sure his home and family was in church, and anytime we had a problem, we always turned to God. My dad was a spiritual head. But if my mom began to get in spiritual pride and go, he doesn't pray like I do, right? He doesn't pray, right? That's spiritual pride, and it brings division in the home. And so I pose to you, before I read this scripture, you tell me which man you think is more spiritual. Both men take the families to church, all right? So we'll say that. One man, right, he's at church every night when there's a Bible study. He has a home Bible study. He prays two hours a day in his little prayer closet. He goes down to the soup kitchen and, and he helps out every single week. He goes and does evangelism about four times a year. He travels away from his family for a week or ten days at a time, right? And he's not really home much, but he's going out and he's just spreading the gospel. Then you got the other man who's home with his family, spends two hours a night with his kids and his wife. He makes his wife feel like she's the most special, amazing thing, takes her on a date every week and invests in his children. You tell me which one is more spiritual in the eyes of heaven. I'm going to guarantee you it's the man that is loving his home and his family. And there's, come on, somebody out there, that's spiritual. <laughs> Love is spiritual because it says this, if I speak in tongues of men of, or of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong of clanging cymbals. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor, I'm down there all the time, I give my body over, you know, I serve and I serve, right, so hard that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. That the Word of God bears out the fact that to be spiritual head is simply to love your family. Love them, get them in God's house, turn to God. That is spiritual. Spiritual. Men tend to be private. You don't know how often I pray. I pray all throughout the day. I don't just sit in somewhere and pray. I'm praying wherever I go. So to say, to try and put us in a, in a box isn't the way that we were designed. But let's go to the scripture, next part of the scripture. Um... Love is. If any of your relationships are struggling, I challenge you, put the scripture on your phone. Start every meal of reading it through. Get it on the inside of you. Because until you are doing this, you won't grow and have great, happy relationships in your life. All relationships. Friendships, parents, children. Love is. It tells you what love is. Patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Right? It's not envious. It's not like, well, you get to go off to work. I have to be home with the kids. Oh, you get to stay home with the kids. I got to go to work. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. Well, look at what I do. You know, I do everything around here. I do everything. Right? That's boast. It is not proud where you think that you do more than the other person, that I am better. I'm more this or that. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. That is one of the big ones. It's not self-seeking. You get rid of all of your fights if you stop being self-seeking about what I get and what they don't do for me and what they don't do for this, right? It's, it's all about self. It is not easily angered. I watched my parents over the course of, right, 55 years go from easily mad to very hard. It's very difficult to get my parents mad at each other. I don't even, I try. I can't get them mad at each other. I literally, it's, it's impossible. Their marriage thrives because they're not easily angered. Marriages that, that are not thriving, they get mad so fast. Zero to a hundred, so quick. It keeps no record of wrongs. Well, you know what you always, well, she always does. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love, it always protects. 
You know, in a fight, I can say some mean things to my wife. But I protect. I, have, I need to protect her emotions, protect her with my words. Right? It always, not sometimes, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes. Right? I have an expectation of where it's going. Hope, wait, you went to, always perseveres. That love never fails. The world's love fails all the time. It doesn't work. But God's love will not fail. If you inject it in your relationships, I am telling you, your relationships will begin to thrive. If you stop with the judgments and the wrath, because you always have a choice when they make a mistake. If you begin to give grace, right? The Bible says those that give mercy will receive mercy. The Bible also says those that judge will get judged. So what you choose to put into your relationship determines what you get out of it. If you give in judgment, right, you're going to get it pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Tell them what's wrong with them, and they will tell you everything wrong with you. But if you begin to give them grace when they make mistakes, you'll find that you create an atmosphere of grace where they begin to overlook your mistakes, begin to overlook the things. I want to show you today that grace, when you operate in grace, you tend to believe the best about the people in your lives. When you are in judgment, you assume the worst. You begin to assume the worst. They left their shoes out, right? So judgment goes, yeah, take advantage of me. I am sick and tired of them just always leaving their guts. I got to do everything around this house. So you're assuming the worst about that person. But if you gave them grace, right, you're like, ah, oh, that meathead, good for him. Left his shoes out, right? But you're like, you know, he works so hard. He does so many things. I know he, sometimes he's forgetful, right? And, and Holly actually talks about this. You have a moment in that moment. And I love her teaching on this. She's like that you can either be mad at them or you can love them. You have two choices. You can be mad because they took advantage or you can take that opportunity to love them. And one of the things that I want to get across to you is that there's always a cost, right? So everything has a cost, right? The Bible says count the cost. So... If you, they, you wait for them to get home, and you're like, this is what you do all the time, right? You just leave everything for me to take care of. And then he tells you everything that's wrong with you, and it blew up in a fight. That's cost, right? We've been married 30 years. Like, a lot of times we're like, it's just not worth the fight. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to fight about that. It's just not worth the effort, right? She's like, so you can either wait till he gets home and go, hey, sweetie, when you get a chance, can you put your shoes away? And he goes, yeah, on it, right? And off he goes. Right? Or you can just pick them up and put them away from them as an act of love, as something kind that you're doing, that you're stepping outside yourself because that's what love is. Love gives. Love's not about myself. It's about somebody else. Both of those are operating in grace where I'm believing the best rather than assuming the worst about them. Whether either they get on their phone, right? And you're like, there you are. I'm not important. The phone and whatever's going on is more important. And it blows up into a big old fight because they're like, you're on your phone. You're like, I'm not on my phone. as much, And it becomes a big fight, right? Because you're assuming the worst. Instead of going, hey, you're on your phone. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, right? Put it away. And there we have a good night. And didn't make a big deal out of it because you believe the best. He said, hey, can I tell you all something about me? I'm addicted to my phone. And I, am, I think opening it up right now is going to help me. I am. I'm no good. I, can see, I do. That little burger, right? He, he is on me all the time, right? I'll be holiday. I love, I, I, I do. I love, I enjoy talking to my wife. And she's telling me something. I'm really interested. All of a sudden, though, my phone goes in my pocket. I'm like, mm. <laughs> wonder what that is. 
And then my watch, right? Now my watch is on me too. It goes, Bzz! and I'm like, oh no. And then I can hear my iPad in the other room going, ding it, ding it. And my Mac is going, Piddle it. and even heaven's going, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> right? And then I, I do the thing where I stretch, I go, oh, there it is. All right, right? And then I like, there'll be a pause in the conversation. She'll pause for something. And then I'm like, boom, and I'm on it, right, right, real quick. And I'm, I'm just doing it. And then I love my wife does this sometimes. Like, I'll be on it, and she'll take, uh, all of a sudden I'll have a message from her. And I, I'm like, what? And I click on it, and it's a picture of me on my phone. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I don't know why. I'm so sorry about that. It's better than a big fight. Because here's the thing that you have to know. I believe this about everybody that is in here today. I don't ever do anything on purpose to hurt my wife. I never do. I don't do it on purpose. I do accidents. I do dumb things. But I don't purposely go, you know what? I want her to know that she's not as important as my phone. So I'm going to get on my phone to teach her that who's important in my life. I would never do that. Right? She never does anything on purpose right, to make me upset. But we both in the relationship tend to make mistakes. But... If I believe the best and give grace, then the little things don't become a big fight. It becomes something simple and small where you go, oops, I am sorry. We laugh. I'm on my phone. I'm like, oh, ding, ding. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I put it away. I'm so sorry. I, just, I don't know why. The phone. And so, so I literally just on a date, I turn it off. He gets, no, you get no power. No power over me whatsoever. I'm, I'm trying on that. You know, you do it in so many different relationships, not just marriage. Right, where we assume the worst, where uh, somebody comes over to you and goes, you know what Sally said about you? And you're like, what'd they say? Nice, Sally's your, your, law, your best friend forever, right? But right away, our mind teams assume the worst. That she, why would, I can't believe she would say that. Probably because she didn't. You know what I do when somebody comes to me and go, hey, you know what Ted said about you? And I go, and they go, blah, blah, blah. I go, oh, well, let's get Ted on the phone. And they go, well, no, 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 I want to stay out of it. Oh, no, you're in it. As soon as you brought it to me, you're all in it. Bigly speaking, I have to go to the person right now. So, yeah, don't, don't share stuff with me unless you want me to go to the person. Yeah, call Ted up. Ted goes, that's not what I meant. I'm like, see, that's not right. Because I want to believe the best in people. I don't want to assume the worst. Right? How many times later we find out we were upset at somebody and they didn't even do that because they're a good person. You got left out, right? And you find out all your friends went out and you, you're like, oh, you're really going to leave me out. I'm not important to you all. And so then now what do you do is you purposely leave people out. Right? You just do the same thing. But if you were to find and you were able to believe the best in them, because you've left people out too. We've all have. We've all left people out. And they just overlooked it for a moment. It wasn't mean that you weren't important. But later you found out that they're like, you said you were busy that day. So we didn't even invite you. You said you were gone. You're like, oh, I did say that. I did. I don't know why I was getting mad. Right? Because we wanted to assume the worst. And then believe the best. And we wonder why relationships struggle because... We go from judgment to judgment to wrath to wrath. But if we can fill our relationships up with some grace and some mercy, we'll begin to see our relationships, come on, begin to flow out there. <laughs> begin to watch them flow. So um, I wanted to share this with you here. Um, there was a study that was done. And uh, this guy wanted to study, what's the difference between marriages mar been married 30, 40, 50 years that are happy and ones that are just full of contention. They just fight and argue. And in the study, he found this out. He said that happy marriages have an unrealistic view of each other. 
unrealistic view. So he came up with this. He says, they have a generous explanation about why the spouse had let them down. I love that. A generous explanation of why. In other words, that things that, that maybe people would magnify that are faults with my spouse, I see them not that big deal. They're not that big. When me and Holly took the test last week, there were things that I was like, oh, I can be so much better at. And she's like, no, he's great at. And she's like, things that she thought she could be better at. I'm like, she's perfect at, right? You, we, we tend to be harder on ourselves in a great marriage than the other person. But in a bad marriage, people are harder on them about things that I'm less hard on. In other words, as Matthew talks about in the book of Matthew, that whatever you focus on determines what you feel. If I focus on the negative of my spouse, I will feel negative. But if I can focus on the positive, I will feel positive. So if you can look at all the good of your spouse and look at all the great things they do. They did all of the, they did 97 great things that day and they left the bowl out on the counter. One thing that's bad, right? And we focus on the one thing, right? They took you out, you did an awesome date, and then one of the people said something that was insensitive on the date. So we didn't look at the 99 great things. We want to fight about the one insensitive thing. Instead of just going, hey, that hurt my feelings. And they go, I didn't mean that. I am so sorry that I said it that way. And you go, cool. And we get back with our date. Do you see how that works? That grace and mercy is a game changer. The level of grace and mercy will determine the level of joy, happiness, and satisfaction you have in the marriage. The more judgment that you have, the less enjoyable the relationship will be. The less you like to be around each other. And so I challenge you, be generous with one another. Be generous. Right? Begin to really focus on the good. And stop getting upset at the little things. I was talking to a buddy of mine after the service. And uh, one of the things that just came out was also, you know, sometimes, and I'm just going to be real with you all. Women, emotions, they feel things ten times more than a man does. It's just a fact. So... Just think about it, how hard it is, men, out there for us sometimes to control our emotions. Multiply by 10. So there are, no, it, it, and the, I'm just giving you all facts. So there are times that the wife may get mad, right? But, so you can get mad back. That doesn't make anything good. Or you can believe the best in her. They go, I get it, sweetie, I am so sorry. Right? Don't get mad back. Give her grace in the moment that she's upset. And you'll find that you'll get out of that fight and argument very fast. But when you give, when she gives me anger, and I give her anger back, biblically speaking, I'll get it pressed down, shaking together, overflowing, and more than I can contain. Come on, somebody. Ladies, am I right or am I right? I'm just telling you. They have a lot of emotions, right? They have a lot of emotions. And so if we can give them grace in the middle of their frustrations, and oftentimes, you know, you know the wife is stuck with the kids all day, and we come home, this is a good example of men, and sometimes, you know, if you have a stay-home mom, you come home and, and you're like, the house is maybe a mess or maybe dinner wasn't done, and you're like, what in the world did you do all day, right? Because you assume the worst. You thought she was just drinking Chardonnay, watching Oprah all day, right? Because you haven't been alone with three kids under the age of seven for an eternity. Right? I want the blue cup. No, I want the blue cup. No, you had the blue cup yesterday. I don't want to watch Frozen. I, I, I want to watch Tango. No, I don't want to watch Tango. We watched Tango the last time. Why are you touching me? Don't touch me. Until you're like, oh my gosh. I want to put it in the ditch today. 
You know, I didn't get dinner ready. Why? Because I was in an asylum for the last 42 hours. But you believe the best. And I know she's doing great at home with the kids. And if I come home and there ain't no dinner, let's figure this out, baby. I want to help you out. Right? Because that's what we're in a partnership for. And when two people operate in grace and operate in mercy for one another, when people make mistakes, that is a happy marriage. Because love, God's way, is blind. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you know heavenly love is blind. God's blind to all your mistakes. I know we always try to feel like we got to be mistake-free to have a relationship. God goes, no, it doesn't work that way. God goes, it's about grace. God goes, I count no one's sins against them. He says, I remember your sins no more. This is what the God says. The Bible says that. Bible says, whosoever believes in Jesus will be saved. How do I have a relationship with God? Believe in Jesus. You go, that's it. Well, I don't I have to live right? No, you don't. Now, if you live right, it makes a better life down here on earth, but it doesn't negate your relationship with God. The Bible says that no man can get to heaven through their works. Can't be good enough. So you can brag. He's like, I sent my son to die on the cross for you so that all your sins are washed clean. Believe Jesus died on the cross, you're going to heaven. So we're going to say a prayer today. If you're not saved, you want eternity in heaven, just believe it. Just believe. Right? Say it with us and believe it. You're going to heaven. You make mistakes. Heaven knows that. You're going to make mistakes. But how many people know that God is all about grace and mercy? Because he knows that's the foundation of a great relationship. So everybody say this prayer out loud with me. And if you believe it, uh, you have it. Everybody out loud. Dearly Father, I ask you right now, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all my sins and was raised from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look up here. Service leaders, can you stand for me, please? You find our service leaders uh, all over the sanctuary. These people have a Bible for you. They'll pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, I encourage you to find them after the service. You all can sit down. Uh, I need service leaders, to be honest with you. We have... Uh, a dinner with me and my wife tomorrow night. If you want to be a service leader, at least find out what it is. I'll train you. It's simple. Get here 15 minutes early. See me after the service. I need some more service leaders. I need at least 10 more couples in the sanctuary as big as we are. And so if you are, and I need some single people. So if you're single, you're like, hey, I like this. Come hang out with us tomorrow night. And, uh, uh, and uh, we're going to do some fun and have some good time. And it's a great way to meet people. I'm telling you that. Uh, newcomers. Um, I want to meet you after service, in the foyer. Uh, me and my wife are going to be out there. We have a book that me and my brother wrote called Thrive. I'm going to give it to you absolutely free. And uh, it'll take you two minutes. If you brought somebody, bring them over. I'm going to give you this book. It's $20 on Amazon. It's free to you. Allow me that opportunity. And you're gorgeous. If you learned anything at all, give the Lord a big hand clap. Wow. Love really is our superpower, right? Love God's way really is a superpower. Okay, well... This announcement list is very long, thus the reason why I have my phone with me. We're going to go really fast. Um, Young Adults Ministry Cultivate has moved to the last Tuesday of every month. I'm mentioning it to, today because it's this Tuesday night, Gilbert Campus, 
7 p.m. If you know a young adult, if you know a couple of young adults, get them there. Get them to build friendships with people their age. Uh, this Wednesday, a.m. and p.m., our very own Pastor Kelly Anderson is speaking at Women's Ministry. You do not want to miss it. I know that she has an anointed, appointed word that's exactly what you women will be blessed to hear. Okay, say March 2nd. Okay, it's important to remember March 2nd because at 9 a.m. we have our Accelerate Youth Conference. It's $30 for each youth. You can go online to register and you can go online to sponsor another youth to participate and be able to join as well. There's all kinds of amazing things they're going to do that day, but most importantly, they're going to be encouraged to build relationships and friendships in this house. Amen? Okay, club up, say club up. What is club up? Club up is kind of like small groups and is built on common interests, common likes, um, from spiritual groups to outdoor groups, to athletic endeavors, to craft nights, to whatever. But that is gonna happen March 2nd and March 3rd. You're not gonna wanna miss next weekend, March 2nd and March 3rd. Amen? Let me make sure I got everything. And I did. Will you just stand with me as I close in prayer? <laughs> Father God, we thank you and we praise you for an amazing time in your house and in your word. We just thank you for the week that we are heading into and we pray that you help us wake up every day and declare this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday and a great week. We introduce to you Living Word Virtual Church Community. Each week, we come together during the live stream, chatting with each other through live comment sections. Then, during the week, our virtual church community reconnects in online share groups to discuss the weekend service and study the Word. To sign up, visit the Living Word Virtual Church Community page on our website. We'll see you there.